What's up everyone? This is Pastor Sam. And this is Danny. And together we are exploring the book of Mark. Join us each week as we dive into each chapter outside of our Sunday morning messages as we explore what this book is trying to teach us. And today, chapter 6, Jesus rejected in Nazareth. Jesus sends out the twelve apostles. The death of John the Baptist. The feeding of the five thousand. Jesus walking on the water and Jesus healed the sick in whatever town that is. Gennesaret, I think. Oh, it is what it is. Good job. <laughs> hey, welcome everybody. We are back. This is Danny and Sam. Like we said, we are continuing our podcast, our series of Mark. We are getting ready to jump into chapter six. Hopefully you've enjoyed all of the, the chapters leading up to this point as we continue to navigate this medium of podcasting and it's been exciting yes it has uh, we, we are thankful for uh, your listening uh, your audience for listening and to being part of this it's been humbling and great too there's a lot of new learning for us here Danny there's a lot <laughs> of new things we have learned in the past six weeks haven't we yep yep and and speaking of six we are in chapter six so we're gonna jump right into it Sam I know you preached on you know, um, the feeding of the 5,000 this past week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then touch based on Jesus' walks on the water there. Um, I, I mean, we, I mean the, the, the sermon spoke for itself. If you miss the miracle, you miss the Savior. And I, and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes the <coughs> disciples makes here on that passage of Jesus walking on the water. They did not. Jesus was walking right by, uh, by them, passed by them. And, and the reason, I think, is because, uh, the main reason for me is because they were still arguing about the miracle of... Oh, like talking about, trying to the, understand the loaves. The like, loaves and what's like how going on. How many did you eat? Yeah. <laughs> or, well, the fact that, you know... Uh, Where, where'd was, you put the 12 baskets? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Who, who grabbed it? <laughs> if, you, if you didn't get the the miracle, you, if you don't understand the miracle, you will miss the Lord. So that's more or less what we, we talked about on Sunday. So I'll let the, the sermon to speak to itself. But there's a lot else to, to unpack. Oh, so yeah. even on those seven passages, there's a lot to talk about. So let's get, get into it. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing this book opens up, it says, uh, Jesus rejected at Nazareth. Now, that's the subtitle of this pericope and and we see here that he was he's coming back home right he's mm -hmm. been uh, but it's not like a traditional visit he's not like coming back home to visit family per se he's, he's coming back to the area now the town of nazareth uh was a was was a a, a town of nowhere mm -hmm. and almost like it's I, i've heard it be referred to as nazareth was a, a nowhere town made up of nobodies and oh, the population wow. was around 150 to between 100 to 150. Uh, the town people not, or thousand people. Well, well, oh. actually, I don't know. I have to. It said 100, 150. Okay, all right. Dang, that <laughs> was like that. that was definitely that sounds like where Laura came from Iowa. <laughs> if you blink it, you miss it. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, the the Nazareth is not mentioned in the Old Testament. It's not mentioned in any apocrypha. Mm -hmm. It's not mentioned in any rabbinic literature. Wow. Um, so this is the only time it really receives attention is in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes you wonder why Nathaniel said what he did, right? Can anything good come, come from, from Nazareth? Nazareth yeah. yeah. But uh, like I said, notice he brings his disciples with him. What mm -hmm. do you think? I mean, 
talk to me what you think is going on here. I have a couple of things here, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Where Jesus is back at the Sabbath doing bad things on the Sabbath. Hey, Saturday. <laughs> he, he loves the Sabbath day, man. So he's uh, he's teaching the synagogue. And, and, and you know what? I, I love the word astonish. Uh, in the, in in the book of Mark, the word "astonished" in the book of Mark is a very important word. What word is it? Astonished. Astonished. Oh my word! Oh. Really? No, no, no. I'm try- I was trying to figure out astonished. I was trying. To- I was trying to figure out what the word is. Amazed. Amazed is the, is the, is the same word. He was amazed. Well, people well, were amazed. Spe- by- well, ahead. speaking about amazed, uh, I mean, there's only two times that Jesus marveled. Yes. Two times. It says here, here's one of the cases, he marveled Mm -hmm. because of their unbelief, right? And the both times that we see him marveled or being amazed or being astonished, depending on the translation, Mm -hmm. has to do with faith. In this instance, it was the lack of faith in the people of his own hometown, right? The people who you would think would actually be believing in you, cheering you on, you know, propelling you to great things. And then the other occurrence happens in Luke. In Luke, where it says of the Roman centurion, right? The mm-hmm. Roman centurion, he said, Jesus marveled at his faith because this guy, he believed that Jesus didn't have to be at his house. He he had to just say the word and it would happen. He just say the word, master, and I know. And it will yeah. yeah. So, so it has to do with faith. I remember a preacher one time saying, you can amaze God. And I yeah. think many people don't think you can. Oh, you can amaze Jesus for sure with your faith. Uh, and that's a sermon for another time, of course, it's for another time. But this word amaze is astonish, whatever the astonish, word is. Yeah, astonish, yeah, you got it. Is to knock someone out of their senses. That's the literal translation, like what, that's the definition of it. So here's these people is knocked out of their senses by the, by the teaching of Jesus. But they, they refuse to accept yeah. his teaching. Uh, I mean, some people have some very profound things to say, and when they say it, it, it really sits with you, and it makes really makes you think about life and revalue life and think about life. And 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 how is that that they go from being astonished to from being like knocked out of their senses to getting back into it and it's like, yeah, we're we're not doing this. Well, they 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 went from ast- amazement to skeptics, right? Definitely, <laughs> it did that, and I think it's interesting because. Uh, in the passage, they start to bat around these five questions. It's right there in the text. Yes. What is it like? Where did this man get these things? Mm-hmm. What is this wisdom that he has? Mm-hmm. How are you performing these miracles? How is he doing this? And then they're like, isn't this the carpenter's son? Mm-hmm. The son of Mary, brother of James? And aren't these his sisters? So like their their amazement has shifted now to just skepticism. And they're kind of questioning. But they don't they don't have an, uh, an opinion as to what. They kind of leave it open-ended. But here's what I want to say about this part. Familiarity can be a big problem. And and I think I see that on the Christian faith all the time. Oh, I know that pastor. Oh, I know the Bible. Oh, I know Jesus. And then out of a sudden you ask some really crazy questions because you... Because of your of your familiarity of it, and I think this they know the answers to these questions. I think these are hyper, hy, 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 hypothetical questions. Yeah. Not necessarily. They are asking yeah, the yeah, questions, yeah. but they are they know. It's, it's, it's like you you can't ask those be stop, be knocked out of your senses and then ask those questions without knowing. Well, this well, guy has some authority. Yeah, well, to me, when you read this and you think like, oh, they're asking the question like in like in a classroom presentation. I got a mm-hmm. question. But mm-hmm. really, they're in the crowds and they're talking among themselves like, 
isn't that isn't that Jesus? Isn't that like Mary's son? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, how's he doing this? So it's like the murmurs in the crowd, and Mark is kind of Picking. pulling this out mm-hmm. and saying, hey, here's what here's how they were doing, and it kind of brings us to that. Like I said, in in this stuff right here, they are kind of open ended. It's like they they don't deny mm-hmm. that he does he's doing these things. But, but here's the thing: don't we do the same thing though? Don't we read God's word and then say like? Really? Did well, this really happen? Well, should I really believe this? Should I really obey this? Well, really? Should I? Should I? Is this really what I should be doing? Well, I was reading something the other day, and it said that is that we have that cafeteria approach when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to to God. Meaning, like when you go to the cafeteria, if you see something you don't like, you don't pick it up. You're not going to eat it, right? Okay. So you pick and choose. The pieces, the things that you like, okay, and everything else you just kind of pass over. Yeah, so a lot of I think that's what you're getting at. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we have this approach to like all these things that we know of God, but we pick and choose the things that we want to actually believe, hold true to, or actually profess. Yeah, if there is broccoli, I'm jumping that baby. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Broccoli. Uh, You like broccoli? I I should eat more broccoli. We're not getting into that. So, uh, so yeah. So Jesus. Uh, so Jesus. You know, um, they took confessing him. So they 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 uh, really uh, were upset for the things that he was saying. I wonder what Jesus was teaching too, though. Was Jesus teaching uh, being pointed at them? Was Jesus teaching focusing on them? What was that that teaching about? I wonder what Jesus was teaching. It doesn't tell us the content of his teaching. But, you know, Jesus usually um, get after people a little bit. Maybe they were astonished because Jesus was maybe just like speaking some truth that was very personal to whoever was in the synagogue. Oh, maybe yeah. to the people <laughs> of the synagogue. The, and they no... were like, oh, you got my number and you dialing. The heck no, you're not doing that, boy. Kind of like the idea when someone uses an illustration, but everybody knows the person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, it's got to be John. <laughs> Sorry, John, if that oh, was you. But... Maybe. And, and that's, I think it is here. Jesus is calling their number and they're like picking it up and they're like, heck no, you're not doing that. Uh, aren't you just a regular guy like us? And uh, so, and Jesus well, makes that statement. I like I I I I could buy into that because here it says in verse in in towards the end of verse three it says and they took offense at it. Mm-hmm. Like to just take offense to someone, someone's if someone's gonna offend you, I mean, they've they've done something to kind of get a rise out of you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. I oh, Jesus was definitely. <laughs> pulling some punches. That's why they're knocked out of their senses. And I think maybe there's there's something to do here with Mark is trying to say, use the word, I'll knock out of your senses because Jesus was punching them so hard with his teaching and they were like and they got it and they were like, We're not we you're not we're not doing that. Um what else you see on this part? Well I, I I really like that, you know, I see the idea that he comes back home, right? The news of his teaching and his miracles reaches where he's at before he does mm-hmm. and the people respond like we already talked about there was skepticism like how can someone from here be doing these great things um, they talk about his what, what he did as a carpenter's son a local family but uh jesus was amazed at their unbelief and mm-hmm. consequently as a result of that he does very little mir- miracles there as you can see here we already talked about he was amazed at their lack of faith well i think uh, you know like 
uh, unlike chapter 7 verse 9 of of Luke where you see where the centurion guy get uh, amazes Jesus uh, I think the lack of belief in Jesus keep God from working and 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 that's kind of what something I touch on Sunday if you don't believe in miracle why are you expecting some right if you don't believe that God can do some uh, impossible things, so why are you expecting Him to? So, kind of, I think I walk on those lines for me there. Yeah, I like the you know, going back to what, like I think I'll try to think of the centurion and the people here. Mm-hmm. When 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 Jesus looks at us, mm-hmm. what type of amazement does He have? Is He mm-hmm. amazed at our at our faith, mm-hmm. or is He amazed at our lack of faith? Right, like. Mm-hmm. So I think um, I think if we can see one thing that really excites Jesus, it has to do with how how much faith we have in Him. And I think these two instances where it mentions it to me, it, it really highlights that for me is that the only time He's amazed in these things has to do with your condition of faith. How yeah. are you perceived in your faith? I think the stories ends differently, right? So yeah. in Mark, we see He didn't do much, and He could not. He could, and He could. Do no might work, no there, mighty work, yeah. Ex- exp- except that he laid his hands on few sick people and healed them. And then on Luke chapter 7, verse 9, it says, When Jesus heard these things about the guy's faith, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd, he followed him. Uh, that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such a faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Many people didn't get what they was probably wanting because they didn't believe in Jesus. But the centurion who should not get what he wants but had faith well, in Jesus got Yeah, him. and that's the part that I didn't even touch on. He was a Roman. <laughs> he was. No, he, there, I mean, there's... There's the he's people, a stranger who should never believe in exactly. Jesus, had never experienced in Jesus, had faith in Jesus and got it what he wanted. Here are people who knew Jesus, who were familiar with him, who were familiar with his family, who was familiar with his teaching, who did not believe in him, did not get what they should have got from Jesus. Yeah. So, um, so, so, so many people, on talking about the sovereignty of God and the power of God and what God can do and what God can do, Sometimes you run into this conversation. There are some things that God can't do. And God doesn't do them because of lack of belief. So your lack of faith in Jesus will keep God from acting in your life. Or acting in your circumstances. And acting on the circumstances of those around you. I think faith has a lot to do with the outcome of some situations in our lives. Um, Not everything is like that. But a lot of it is. So, uh, yeah, no, that's good. All right. So, like I said, I think he came back home, not necessarily as like a come home and see the family, but really this ongoing mentoring and discipling of the disciples. Mm -hmm. And here we see that, you know, he can do everything all on his own. So he sends out the 12. That's the next section. He called them and he, he gives them like, you know, he goes through and he gives them kind of like the itinerary. Like, here's, here's what I want you to do. And he sends them out two by two. Why do you think he sends them out two by two? Why? Yeah. Uh, I I think I think I think I go back. I've been teaching a lot lately about these uh, Ecclesiastes chapter four verse nine and on. It says two is better than one because they get a good reward for their toil. 
yep. uh, for their work. I think there is uh, there's a lot of accomplishment in community. I think yeah. if you go together uh, with another one of like-minded, I think you, there's a lot there's reward that you get from that. So maybe I don't know. Why Why do you think? No, I think I think all those are right. I I just was I like to see, I I was just thinking about that because. One, it was safer, right? Traveling together. Mm-hmm. It was wise. Jesus was wise in this, is that because at the time the norm of the culture was that if the if the law required there to be two witnesses, mm-hmm. right? So to verify a matter, so there wasn't anything like he said, she said. Even uh-huh. even today, like even when even when when um when Jesus talks about when you confront your brother in Matthew, what's he say? You and your son, when you go to the person, right, and you confront the person. Yeah, take so someone it, with you. So it's all about accountability. Sure. And I think he's kind of setting the stage here and it's like, hey, I'm going to send you guys out. Here's some accountability to each other as witness. So he's he's adhering to you know the norms my, of the time. You know where my mind went to? What's the that? road to Emmaus. Oh, yeah? There was two disciples walking together. Do you think <laughs> Jesus created a pattern for the disciples there? Oh yeah, where they're well, like now we're well, gonna go to places we're gonna go to the other pick two, you, you know, and you look uh, Paul and Silas and uh, you know and Barnabas, ba- uh, Paul, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas. and Silas and Mark, yeah. you know, two by two they're always trying to travel and choose. Is you think Jesus created a pattern for oh, that? Yeah. I definitely, I think he did. I think because there's no Lone Ranger Christianity. Oh, you sure? You, you don't? I cannot be a Christian by myself. No. No. Some people think they do, though. They don't even go to no. church because they, they just be on their own. But that's a different story for a different time. Yeah, the the Lone Ranger approach doesn't work um, because, well, first of all, Lone Rangers. If you're by yourself, you're an easy target. Definitely. You know, um, and that's why you know I think it was like, hey, you go together. Mm. You know, um, I think people have heard me say this this uh, story before. You, you you definitely have. One time I was watching uh, American um, uh, Geograph uh, National Geograph uh, documentary. There was a gazelle. Uh, oh the yeah, gazelles yeah, the were all eating together, and there were lions trying to eat the gazelle. But those, because there were so many of the gazelles that were in the community, the lions never attacked. But at one point, one gazelle got detached from everybody else. Well, guess who the, the gazelle, the, the lions went after? The lonely one. The lone ranger. Yeah, so uh, there is there's power in community. And God wants us to... So maybe there's two, two there saying they went out with the authority over unclean spirit. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that uh, puzzles a lot of us in the 21st century. Do we, you know, have we been given the same authorities that God gave the, the disciples back in the day? Do we have, can we do the same things that the disciples be, did back then? Then you think that the calling for the disciples were just for the 12 and then <laughs> now we're like, oh yeah, you don't get to have fun. They did it, no, not you. What, what do you think about that? Where are you at with that? Well, I, I, I mean, I think that, you know, certainly with this instance here, he the things that the apostles did at the time was to prove and to continue to carry on what he does. I mean, I don't know how God is working, but I, I know like, you know, if you pray for healing and you don't believe that God will heal you, well, what is that? Are we looking for God to come out of the sky and to physically touch you and say you're healed versus you praying for someone and 
and healing coming for that person. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of, uh, you know, things like that. Like, but, I mean, I don't know, man. You obviously have some thoughts. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I no, I'm just saying, you know, Jesus uh, sent them. And I think uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, they definitely... You're definitely reading Jesus sending us. Mm-hmm. So if Jesus sent them, send us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have more than the disciples ever had. The disciples didn't have the, you know, they didn't have the indwelling the Holy Spirit. You don't get yeah. indwelling the Holy Spirit until uh, after Pentecost. Yeah. That's very clear in the Book of Acts. Oh yeah. You know they had Jesus' presence for sure. Presence, yes. And so that that is important. But indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's, it was for the church. It was for you and I. We have the Spirit of God who rose Jesus from the grave is inside of us today. And I think sometimes we lose sight of uh, of how much God has given us. Now, not every, you know, <laughs> some people take this on some pretty weird uh, right. turns there. Uh, but I think it is if we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, I think we could accomplish a lot more than what we do. Um, yeah, I, I have I have this verse here, so just kind of transitioning from that thought, I, mm-hmm. I have this verse here that I, that I find very encouraging. It's okay. in um, <clears throat> it's verse eleven, right? So he 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 calls them, he sends them out, he tells them what to do, he gives them tells them gives them strict instructions, you know, travel light. You know, pack light. You know, yeah. you'll be it. Don't get caught up with the things of this world. <laughs> exactly. Because a lot of uh, disciples are trying to 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 be follow Jesus with all kind of a junk behind them, and just like, no, 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 no. If you're right. gonna follow me, if you're gonna do what I'm asking you to, you gotta you gotta be light. Go ahead. Yeah. The verse I really like though, and I had to really listen and read this back over again. It says in verse 11, he says, "And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you." When you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Mm. A lot of times, we as Christians feel uh, that when we proclaim the message, like we're, we're very, um, the word I'm looking for is, we should be humble, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we should know that God has given us a way for the people who won't accept the message that we have. Like this right here tells me, like, if, if I'm proclaiming to people... Like people can make fun of me all they want because hell, he's a Jesus follower, Jesus freak, all these different things, right? Sure. But you shake your feet off against them is a testimony against them, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's kind of encouraging to see that God sees that. God sees the sees the trials that we we face in in being evangelistic in, in evangelism. It keeps us from having to bring results. A lot of people, a lot of pastors, a lot of Christians are so caught up into bringing results uh, that they manipulate whatever situation in order to convert people. And, and I think, uh, and I think the passage is like, hey, you will teach, you will preach oh, to some you, people, and they and there is nothing you can do yeah, about it. They don't want it, so yeah, just he, move on. Don't, yeah, don't, he, don't lose time doing. Yeah, he's not saying don't teach. He's saying you go teach. They don't listen. Do your thing. That's Do what I'm commending you. Yeah, but then that's... if they don't get it, that's on them. That's not on you. You don't have to manipulate it in order to bring result. Yeah. And, and I think, I, I, you know, I grew up seeing in churches, you know, not only in my my dad's church, but in different churches, just pastor trying to manipulate the sermon, manipulate a specific event in order to 
to get more numbers in order to get more people and it's like no listen if i preach the word of god the word of god is a is a live thing right it mm -hmm. is moving it cuts to the heart it, 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 it is moving in the heart of people i don't have to manipulate anything to get results my job your job our job is god's people is to speak god's word and 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 the bible tells us that god's word will not come back empty we speak god's word and allow God's word to do what it does in hearts and people's heart. And if people reject it, it is not on me. It is not on you. It is on them. The word of God would, would become their judgment. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. He tells them too that they went out. He wanted them to proclaim that the people should repent. So mm -hmm. this 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 repentance is an ongoing theme here, right? Mm -hmm. Because who who preached about repentance? John the Baptist. John the Baptist, John the Baptist talks about repentance. Yeah, we see he's telling the uh, the disciples to go and preach them about, the, about repentance. And, and when I think of repentance, there's six ingredients that I, I came across when it comes to repentance. Okay. True repentance. Tell me. The first, the first one is the sight of sin. We want to repent because we see sin, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's the sorrow for sin. Then we have the confession of sin. And then we have the shame for sin. We hate sin, the hatred of sin. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we turn away from sin. Mm -hmm. So true repentance encompasses all six of those ingredients or six of those things in a sense that we see. One, we, 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 we want to repent because we see sin. Sin has brought us sorrow. If we confess our sins. The shame that's it, that's that our sins have hold, hold us hostage to yeah. at times. And the fact that we just hate sinning and then we turn away from, from sin and return to God. So I, I think, like those. Those are good. <clears throat> Those are good. I like them. I, I, I usually just try to say, you know, simple. It's like, stop doing things your way. Start doing yeah. things God's way. And, and I think those six there is the steps into doing that. So that's why I like that so much. I think it, um, yeah. I, you can make it simple, but you need steps. And I think those give yeah. the steps for you to stop doing things your way yeah. and start doing things God's way. Yeah, I think um, other here things too as well I see is picking back up on the, the fact that they, they travel light. They went light because they had to have little provision, but they required they were required to have huge faith. Well, and I think that's what that meant, right? Like, like uh, a minimal baggage is is a, a virtue, mm -hmm. right? It, 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 it's not it's not itself a virtue, but it's like dependency on God. It's like it's it's saying like you know oh. I depend on God completely. So, uh, the fact that, uh, and I think that's what I was getting earlier with the material things. A lot of people think that they need to follow Jesus. They got to have all this stuff. I think that's what the prosperity gospel kind of came here. Like, the more you have, the more blessed you are. And it's like, no, <clears throat> having or not having is not a virtue. But dependency on God is. So, how dependent you be on God? Are you going to take all these provisions so that you're not dependent on God? That you depend on, on the material things or... Or, or are you going to depend? So, uh, oh man, you're hitting on something here because I have this written here. Um, it's a quote. It's a little thing from James Edwards. He says, "True service of Jesus is characterized by dependence on Jesus, mm -hmm. and dependence on Jesus is signified by going where Jesus sends, despite material shortfalls and unanswered questions." Because mm. I'm sure they had a lot of questions. 
Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of places that God sends us to, I'm sure we have questions, but... Why would you send me to a place where people's not going to listen to <laughs> yeah. me? Why are you going to send me to a place where people's going to, you know, make fun of me or, or, or going to reject me or is going to persecute me or is going to kill me? Why are you going to send me there, God? Like, well, are you going to depend on God uh, through the journey or, or are you trying to look for outcomes? Are you trying to get to do it for go for material personal gains I, I don't know I don't know if that's why you get into it but I no, love I, that quote no I think you're right well you were talking about dependence and I was like it's interesting I have that quote right here about true dependence alright so we we got Jesus you know he come home they're like nah homie see you uh, and then he sends out yep, the 12 we're, we're done and, uh, and now it's it's interesting we have this this section here that talks about the death of John the Baptist it's kind of like pancaked in the middle here <laughs> yeah, I, you, we were talking earlier, we asked the question, why in the world is this passage located right here? I don't, re I don't remember reading anything uh, specifically, no. I just, uh, you know, between the sending of the disciples, maybe here's the reason, between the sending of the disciples, because we know that Jesus just sent the disciples, they returned to Jesus and told him all that they have done and taught, And then, and then in the middle, he puts this like, oh, John the Baptist died. So like, he's like, you'll be sent. Yeah. You, you might even return, but maybe not. Maybe you just might lose your head in the process. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and as I was saying, we, um, I wrote this down earlier when I was reading. It says, faithful service to God may cause the kings, lower K, of this world to oppose you or even kill you. But it will bring great pleasure to the true king who is Jesus. Mm, mm, I like that. Say that again. I really like that. Say that again. Faithful service to God may cause the kings of this world mm. to oppose you or even kill you. But mm. it will bring great pleasure to the one true king who is Jesus Christ. I don't think that it's God's intention for us to go and, 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 and lose our life mm -hmm. for his cause. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we're willing to... Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he set the precedent, right? In sure. the sense that he gave his life for us. And we know that there's... We're not living for this earthly life. No. Right? No, so. yeah. And, and it usually... And, and maybe at times, living for Christ will cost us dearly. Cost our own personal life. But I don't think God's calling you just to be irresponsible. And go lose your life in the process. So, uh, no. Yeah. And I don't think that's what John the Baptist did. Uh, he was teaching God's word. He was uh, fulfilling that which uh, what he was called by God to do. And Herod, on this story, he he, he understood John. He he. That's that's the most interesting part about <laughs> it. He paid attention to John. He the word perplexed there. That there he heard and he didn't really believe it, but he you know he heard it gladly. He he didn't believe, it, meaning that he didn't obey what John was saying, but he. It wasn't. He, that, it wasn't falling on deaf ears. No, right? it was not. That, that's exactly. Yeah, it wasn't falling on deaf ears. No, it and, was not. But the the thing about this here, this goes back to how we put off. We we right here. We put our foot in our mouth so many times. Sure. That's what he did. He put oh, his Herod? foot in his mouth. No, it. I know it's a it's a culture thing, right? Because we, in Esther, mm -hmm. Esther saw an audience with the king and sure, did all this sure. stuff. So we see similar parallels there, right? So here we see another thing, and he makes every, he, he offers like, now in those days it was a big deal. You could not, in front of all your dignitaries, you could not make a promise and not hold to it. True. So, uh, it, you, you know, I think, I think this principle is a good one. Don't promise people what you can't 
fulfilled. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, you look like a fool. Um, and but he, he before we even get there, man. Like on verse nineteen, the Her- Herodias had a grudge against John. She just had a grudge. Can you imagine if she hated the guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And talk to me about this setup here. Herod could not sleep with who? With his brother's wife. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> well, I think I think we were talking the other day. We were how how family and, and marriage has come and what's different the 21st century sees now. Mm-hmm. But back then we had polygamy and all these different things. So you know, John the Baptist is calling out. He saw he saw a spade a spade. He called it right. A spade, yeah, a spade. he's like you can't he's like, do you that. Can't do that. <laughs> You can't do that, man. Like, what in the world? There's a thousand, million, thousand wives of women out there. There is your hair, the great. I mean, you could get whatever you want. You're gonna, you're gonna really go hunting in your brother's house. That's ridiculous, man. What are you doing? Uh, and 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 so, uh, I mean, uh, so many of us in the church today, we're calling spades spades. Yeah. And we are suffering just like John is. There's so many things in the church, in the culture today, that we are against. And we call it a spade, spade. But people around us, they even fear us. They even respect us in some way or another. But they are ready to cut our necks as soon as they can. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say here? I I mean, the church, we, I, I see John the Baptist here as a analogy to the church. When we see wrong being done, we gotta call it out. Yeah, even if it costs us our head. We all, even if it <laughs> you, call, got, you gotta call it, you gotta call spade a spade. We mm-hmm. gotta stand up for what is godly. We gotta stand up for what is right. Uh, uh, there is a lot of things that the topics in the twenty first century that the church has to stand for, and we must, even if that costs us our lives, costs us our livelihood. And so many of us are not standing up for some of the biblical truth, biblical principles, because we are afraid of losing our heads. And I think we need to be uh, learn from John the Baptist here. Yeah. I think also, too, as well, I think the idea behind, you, you asked, like, you know, why is this passage in here? I think Mark, maybe he's using this flashback as a device to introduce uh, the character that started in the beginning because maybe we're wondering where is John the Baptist? Like, where is John? Because we started off with John the Baptist, you know, baptizing Jesus, you know, proclaiming who he is. Mm-hmm. But then we don't hear anything about John the Baptist. So maybe the story is kind of serves as a twofold, tells you the faith of John the Baptist, what has happened, but also, on the other hand, how much Jesus' ministry continues to grow. Mm. Continues to grow because they, they were saying, it, it was this. Um, was this John the Baptist raised from the dead that was doing these miracles, oh, that, right? Yeah. <clears throat> that's mm-hmm. what they said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. They, that's what they were thinking. So I think maybe if we're trying to find a reason why that could be it, he's trying to kind of tie up loose ends by saying, hey, John the Baptist is now dead, and Jesus' ministry is kind of taken on. Like, boom, here it boom, is. Boom, yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, this is a birth celebration, right? Uh, and so... Uh, it was practice of the time that yeah. uh, that Herod would yeah the entertain the guests entertain like. the cast the Herod would do that that's that Egyptians did that uh, Romans did that uh, I think I remember reading at one point Babylonians uh, even Babylonians did that so it's, it's a practice of the time to entertain the guest uh, you know this is um, this is fueled by lust 
power and greed. That's what these 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 uh, parties were about. Was about demonstrating how much power you had, yeah. uh, you know, to your guest, uh, which was abated by the greed that you had, and then last, right, showing off also the calibers of ladies that you use, and 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 in the twenty, there is no room for this in the twenty first century anymore, right? We don't use women in this way. Women is not a tool to be demonstrated. Women is not to be dehumanized in this way where you see them just for the body that they carry, how uh, pretty or not. Like there's no room for that in the 21st century anymore. The value of women at the time, at this time, was so minimal. Today, because of Jesus, and today we see that women have a lot more value than that. It is not a figure thing. And, 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 and let me speak something here maybe for the ladies out there uh, that is trying to see their self-worth, but what they look, uh, but rather than what God thinks of them, stop that. Uh, what the magazines say, what your neighbors say, what your friends say about how you look or what you should look like, doesn't even come close to the worth that Jesus have for you of what God yeah. speaks of you. Your worth to God is everything. You're not building up worth. Your value. There's not a value that you can continue. Let's say maybe I'm starting at 10. Like Let's put a number. Let's say God, people think that God values him at 10. But no, God values you at infinity. He values yes. you above all. Mm -hmm. It's not that, oh, I got to do this to, to increase my, my worth. Value, yeah. Increase my value. Yeah. That's not it at all. Your value to God is priceless and your worth everything to God and you have to believe that and live from that and don't try to kind of trying to work towards that you already have that God's already placed a high value on us on all of us men and women uh, but speaking to the ladies here specifically like your worth isn't what God thinks of you and God thinks highly of, of you I think that goes for guys too <clears throat> yeah uh, because across he, the board but here's here yeah. I was thinking that going to the gym looking thin and strong gets more value over you but I guess not. no 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 okay. not, no man the equation is already balanced <laughs> <laughs> All right. you, can't, you can't add any more to it <laughs> so maybe having a better car than you doesn't work it either I don't know a bigger house no well see see that's that's the difference between a biblical worldview mm -hmm. and a and a worldview. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like spiritual spiritual richness does not. Here's the thing, right? You can make wealth, right, by changing jobs, sure. doing different things. Yeah, spiritually rich. How do you measure that? Oh, <laughs> we we don't have this thing to do that. No, no, you, you can't even account for it. No, God's you can't. the only one who's gonna parse it out the, the right one. time. But, but but here is the thing that I think happens to us and it's happened to to Herod here. We got so peer pressured into feeding into something mm -hmm. that, that is a problem. I, I mean, we get peer pressured into having the bigger house, having the more kids, having the better body to, to increase our value. We get peer pressure into it. And I think here on, 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 on Herod, I think he killed John the Baptist because of peer pressure. Oh, yeah. The peer pressure of the lady and the peer pressure of the guests. The dignitaries, yeah. Yeah, they were, he was like, ooh, I got to measure up yeah. to these people here. <laughs> I can't look weak. <laughs> no, I can't. I got to measure up to these people here. And, and, and really, that makes me ask the question, who are you trying to impress? Who, who, who is he trying to impress? 
And at times for us, who are we trying to impress? Mm -hmm. Who are we trying to impress? Are we trying to impress God? Or are you trying to impress people who are in control of our lives? Who are in control of, of, of Herod's life? Was he in control of his own life? Or is this lady in control of his life? It is this guy in control of his life. And I think for, for, for us in the 21st century, peer pressure controls our life. And instead of God in giving God control of our lives, we are allowing people to control our lives. Material things to control our lives. What other people have or look like. Yeah. Control your we, our we, lives. We I don't think we can do that. We need less peer pressure and more God pressure, right? In a sense, if I can use that word. <laughs> Not that God pressures us to do anything, but uh, but in a sense of like, we should be doing more because of God versus doing more because of people. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so. All right, that's John the Baptist. Now, I know you preached on Jesus feeding the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. Anything you want to say on, on those sections before? No, no, no not really. Uh, I mean, I do, I do on 45, uh, you know, I do uh, verse on Jesus walking on the water. I ask the question all the time, where is Peter on this passage? <laughs> Why isn't Peter here? It's the same passage. Yeah, that's, that's important. That's interesting. What, what, I, what I thought was funny. In this it's the same event, I mean. Yeah, what I thought is funny is that they got in the boat to go to Bethsaida, but they ended up in Gennesaret. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do you do you have that in life? Like the you know, I mean, we know. I mean, the winds were blowing. Who knows where they they probably decided? Well, we're just gonna get off here, right? But did you catch that? It says they were in verse forty-five. They were they they got to the boat to go before him to the other side to, to Bethsaida, mm -hmm. while he dismissed the crowd. So they went ahead. But then it said when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. <laughs> that is funny. It's like, uh, what happened here? Who was navigating the boat? <laughs> well, there was a, there was a. Uh, I don't know the region. I don't know that. Maybe it's in the same place. No, they, they were battling a lot of winds, so you know, maybe uh, the wind took them to yeah, get, get them to go where it it's needed just, to go. It's just so. interesting stuff to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and then. We finish here with uh, when Jesus, when they had crossed, they went there, and then uh, Jesus, it, it, people recognize Jesus, and then immediately uh, start healing and doing what Jesus does with his, uh, the miracles of Jesus, right? And, and, and I said this in the sermon, and I, I, I remind us that, you know, the, the miracles of Jesus, uh, in particular, they were not magics, they were designed to... They weren't designed to impress people. Instead, his his power of of healing, of feeling the hungry, of raising the dead, you know, it was a a a, a way of Jesus restoring uh, the world to its natural order. It was Jesus bringing back. It was uh, people uh, reaping the rewards of the kingdom of God being here and now on earth. Yeah. Like this, this scene right here, it um, so kind of backtracking a little bit. Like they, he, he, he went home. He goes. He sends out the twelve, and then after a period of work, he says, "All right, we're gonna rest." They were actually they actually retreat to go rest him, but because the crowds knew where they were going, they met him over there, and mm -hmm. obviously Jesus feeds them the five thousand, which he preached on, to walking on water. And here again, it's I, I can imagine this scene like. Jesus is walking, all these hands just kind of reaching out, just trying to touch him because the last verse says, as many 
as touched it made well. It says they implored him that they may even touch the fringe of his garment. Mm. Like the fringe means it's not even his garment. That's like the hanging, the little, the, the, the little yeah. tassels thing that hang off of that. I just want to touch that. Mm -hmm. Like at what point, uh, how do you see Jesus if that's all you want is just to touch a small piece of him? Talk to me about that. I think that's the biggest... That's the 21st century. I was about, I was about to say that. We, that's we, the biggest problem the church today, man. We don't really want the real Jesus. We just want... Just want to touch him a little bit. We just want to benefit with him a little bit. Yes. We just want what we want. We just want to benefit. We don't want the whole thing. We just want to benefit from it a little bit. And then... We'll come back well, to the cafeteria. <laughs> well, you know, once you get what we want, we can move on. Let him do his thing and we go do yeah. our thing. And, and um, we need to decide... Yeah. Do we want to be a follower of Jesus or we just want to benefit for the fact that the God of the new universe it is yeah. kind, is generous, and is compassionate enough to love on us in such a way that you can benefit from his presence? Yeah, I mean, if you think about the scene right here, he's not even talking. He's mm. not even saying anything, but people are being healed. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that you're in his presence, you're being healed. Like, yes. His presence alone is now producing miracles and healings, man. That's that's just insane. That is insane. Insane. And here we see the apostles. They're, they're experiencing this, they're this great display of power. And they're coming around and they're finally kind of getting to click, right? It's starting to click a little bit. Because remember I said we got to give them grace. Because mm -hmm. they're, they're learning about Jesus on the path here. Mm -hmm. So they're too as well continuing to, to learn and affirm and they really started to get around this idea of, okay, this is really who Jesus, who Jesus is. is. And we'll yeah. see more as we go to the later chapters. where Because um, really, uh, I think at this, after this point in Mark's gospel, through chapter 6, uh, he really, he, Jesus will perform fewer miracles, as we'll see in the, in the coming chapters. The next two chapters, chapter 7 and 8, will describe and will deal more with the confrontation that that he has with his enemies mm -hmm. and we'll see some final key miracles that he performs but the bulk of the teaching will now start to focus and shift on his true identity the son and why he came to do and his mission and the cross yeah. so yeah so that's that that's what's coming that that's coming up but um before we put a put a bow on this this chapter mm -hmm. uh, any last thoughts that you want to share real briefly um I, I'm stuck with a statement which has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> What's that? Uh, which is still what you were talking about, the fringes of his garment. But they laid the sick in the marketplaces. <laughs> I, I'm stuck with that. You're talking about the fringes and yeah. all stuff. And I'm just thinking here, you know, someone at Croker's line just laying down on the floor there and waiting for Jesus to walk. Oh. I, I, I'm, I'm just, that's what I'm stuck. Yeah, it's they're like, profound. they're like, it's, he it's, got it's dumb. Like, but I'm stuck with it. They're like, he got off the boat there. He's got to get there. All right, guys, lay right here. Like, yeah, that's exactly. So I'm thinking he's, like. When he passed by, grab his sandals. They are so like. Well, it's a transactional thing. It's about Man. what you can get from God, right? Yeah, and they're, they're, they're so miss the point. I know healing is important, and we focus on that all the time. Healing is important for sure. If you're sick, you, if you're sick, S-I-C-K, you sick, S-E-E-K, healing, for sure. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But they miss the whole Jesus thing. 
And I'm stuck with that because I feel sometimes I am missing Jesus because I want something. And that's what I'm stuck in on. Yeah. Uh, I would rather be laid on the marketplace to get something than really to just to be mesmerized by who Jesus is. That's my thought. It came from... Yeah. For me, it goes back to the fact that, like I said, this is one of two places where Jesus was amazed. And it had to do with faith. And mm-hmm. it made me really think, that's why I wrote that question now when I was thinking about this. When Jesus looks at me, it, does he marvel? Mm. And if he marvels, what is he marveling for? Mm-hmm. Is he marveling because he says, hey, you've got great faith. You trust me. You, you, li- you live a life that demonstrates that. Or is he saying, man, I've got no honor with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, how, how does he see it? And I think... That for me, I wrote that down. I, I couldn't get past that. And there's a ton of stuff in this in this chapter. But to me, that was the one thing that I kept coming back to. Well, I like that. Thanks for sharing that. That was good yeah. to remind us of that. Cool. Well, that's chapter six. Six, yeah. Thank you guys for listening and joining us. We hope that this has been of value to you. Amen. Hopefully you, you learned something and you were challenged and encouraged along the way. You know, look forward to joining us next week. As we do chapter seven, mm-hmm. we have we... more guests in the way here in the future. So yes, yes. Uh, I know chapter eight we're gonna have other guests. So chapter be looking eight, forward to guests, that one. Yes. But uh, it's so, exciting. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you guys for joining. As we say before we leave, as always, be blessed. Be blessed. Have a great one. <laughs>